Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to yet another riveting episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. The one and only place you will ever find entertainment as golden as this. So, in order to further prove my point with Sami Zayn, I took yet a little bit of a step further, more or less. Now, we will talk about the content that we will be talking about here in just a second. Which, of course, is the AEW. Uh, AEW, you heard me correctly. We're not going to focus on WWE from 25 years ago. We're not going to focus on anything that Impact Wrestling did 8 or 10 years ago. Um, instead, we're going to focus on w on AEW, rather. Hang on, there's a fly in my room. And if I don't kill it now, it's going to bug me for the rest of my life. Alright, here we go. It's dead. As are my hopes and dreams. To further illustrate, though... um, <clears throat> Try not to get that too close to my microphone, because I know that it tends to make noises for whatever reason. To further illustrate my Sami Zayn um, problem that I've been having, more or less, I took the liberty of making a top five list, seeing as though they can make a top ten list, but I had to think, what's the one language everybody speaks? What's the one thing that everybody, no matter whether you're new, whether you're old, whether you're just coming into the world, you know, and if you are just coming into the world, then congratulations. More than likely, you've been handed a golden turd on a, t on a platter. And um, the problem with that golden turd is you've got to turn it into actual gold. Or else everyone's going to be disappointed in you. <clears throat> Can you tell a story without actually talking to your audience? Unfortunately, I cannot. I cannot tell you a, a story without actually talking to you. But you know who can? People in bands, for instance. People who make music. You can see where this is going, right? This is going in a direction where I'm basically going to be reduced to a top five list of underrated songs. Or, well, I don't actually know if they're, I wouldn't say songs per se, but they are kind of musical, you know? And, of course, this is just my opinion. Of course it is. But if you would stop for a second and actually listen to the music that I presented you with, you don't have to listen to all of it. And for that matter, if it's kind of, you know, I get the feeling that I'm doing this and you guys are going to force yourselves to listen to new music. It's like, hey, man, you need to hear this new song that I heard. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll check it out later. And then you never check it out because... 
Why would you? Until your friend is over at your house or you're over at their house and then you're like, this is the song I was telling you about, man. And then he, he makes you listen to it and then he's like, it's good, right? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's awkward, right? It's awkward. It, it's always awkward like that. Stuff like that, always awkward. And I'm not trying to do that to you, my audience. I'm I'm literally not trying to do that. However, this is going to help me to illustrate a point. And for that matter, I think that I've chosen some fairly good songs. Fairly good. Listen to me. Oh yeah, they're fairly good. You've probably never even heard of like three of them. Because that's where I'm going with this. It's kind of underrated. And if you haven't heard of three out of five of the songs that I'm going to list, then that's 20, 40, 60% of the songs that I'm going to um, list here. However, if you, had, if you have heard them already, then you have wonderful taste in music, and congratulations. Now... Under that assumption, I'm not really trying to say that if you haven't heard of them, then your music taste is terrible, and, you know, you should maybe reevaluate your life choices. But what I am saying is that great people think alike, I guess you could say. So, in that sense, anyone who thinks like Hitler, you know, you're both great people. You get the joke that I'm that I'm kind of rolling in. You don't? Okay. Music is subjective, and on top of that, um it's sort of a You know what, I'll just go. I'll just go here. Okay, so a top five rated songs. And I'll also give you the artist, not just the songs. Number five is Bullet For My Valentine, Forever and Always. Now, upon first evaluation of this song, I didn't like it myself. <clears throat> thought that it was too slow, and you know, I thought, oh shit. You know, I'm used to them doing like the screamo stuff, you know? Like... Here they come with this, like, little slow melody listening song, but then music that you relate to sort of sticks with you, sort of. So, around two years ago, kept going around the house, and then I kept, uh, kept hearing a melody in my head, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from, you know? And it was that guitar solo right there, and there's a guitar solo in this song, and it probably goes for like three, four and a half minutes. Um, I could be wrong about that. It could go for a good two minutes and 30 seconds. But um, it's so good. It's like... And you can relate to it, too. It talks about a relationship between... Uh, Two people, uh, he goes on to say, forget about the shit that we've been through. I want to stay here with you forever and always. You know, you have those people in your life 
that regardless of how much crap that you put them through or they put you through, um, you, you know, if it's petty or whatever, like there might be an ex-girlfriend in your life and then she still, she still wants to see you happy and see you healthy and see you thrive and, you know, um, <clears throat> regardless of what, you know, your past relationship was, she's not petty about it, you know, it's like, you know, I just want you to be happy and I want to be happy. So if you was to hit the lottery, she would be like, hey, I'm happy for you, you know, congratulations. Um, And I can relate to that song and it's a really, really good song. Number four would be Mansion. So the the fucking headline for this top five list and no this isn't on my notes of wrestling um that i usually put it on rather it's on my notes in my phone but um number four is mansion and it's by a rapper hip-hop artist named nf and he's going to show show up maybe one more time in this uh top five the point is is that mansion is a it's sort of an ode to yourself if you overthink anything, if you've ever had insecurities, which is like all of us, if you've ever, you know, I would just go on, you're already on Spotify, I would just say go on Spotify and watch, or watch, I mean, listen to Mansion, because it's a beautiful song by a hip-hop rapper who was a long time ago, scarred by his mother, and he wishes that he could say something to her. Most of his music, by the way, is about his mom, and that's how I found him. I can relate so much to him because my mom is the same way. She's worried about, you know, getting high or or uh, where, where her next high is going to come from. Um, <clears throat> all this, by the way, will be in the book that I'm writing most of it at least, not all of it. I'll try to condense some of my stories so that they're not, like, really long. <laughs> but they still, you know, reflect exactly what it is that I'm trying to portray. Number three is NF Let You Down. Now, if you've ever... If you've ever been a child, which most of us have, or for that matter, if you have children, and those to come up to you after, let's say, two or three weeks, or for that matter, two or three years after not even seeing them, and um, so much was the situation with my mom. I wouldn't see her for years, and for that matter, whenever she would show up, Oh, you know, every child just wants their mom to be proud of them and stuff like that. So, of course, I would show her my report card from, like, the last semester or whatever. And then I'd be like, Mommy, Mommy, look at this. Look at all the good grades that I made. And, of course, in the third grade, she told me that for every A that I make, you know, like Fonzie, A, for every A that I make, she was going to go ahead and... um give me money she was going to start by giving me like you know it's a good motivator in my opinion um she might owe me a lot of money now because i didn't see not one dime of that the sad fact is every time that i got money though from like my dad or something because he would send me money for my birthday like in the mail and stuff 
whenever he would send me money, uh, she would always stand over my shoulder and count it with me. I would ask her not to do that, but it fell on deaf ears. She's like, just keep going. And then she would ask me her next question. Can I borrow it? And I knew right then and there that I wouldn't see it again. And my dad would sometimes send me like 200 300 400 dollars which is a lot of money whenever it comes to like you know being a 12 or a 14 year old little boy someone sends you that much money you know you're like yes i can finally start my retirement fund <laughs> oh shit um but it's called Let You Down, and it's by NF, and basically tells the story of uh, a kid who always tried to please their their parents, but they were always never impressed by not a damn thing that their child would do. And it's an emotional song, the first... I wouldn't say the first time, but about the fifth or sixth time that I listened to it, I honestly cried. And you guys know that I never cry. I'm a man. I mean, <laughs> look at my chest hair, you know? Like, I'm as manly as they come. A top five list of men, I'm number one. <laughs> The number two spot goes to Three Doors Down, Life of My Own. And it's off of their first album. Um, I could recite it word from word, but I'll just give you the uh, beginning notes to it. It's honestly the music that shines in this um, song. It's not really the the vocals from an artist and his name is Brad Arnold. You should really look him up. <clears throat> three doors down he it has a rhyme scheme to it that's all that I'm going to say so it's easy to sort of keep up with but the beginning of the song goes living risky never scared one closer to the edge feel no value have no fear always wondering why you're here higher purpose says I've gone nothing's right nothing's wrong Nothing ventured, nothing gained, feel no sorrow, feel no pain. Kiss me while I'm still alive, kill me while I kiss the sky. Sounds like he's ripping off Jimi Hendrix, but he's not. <clears throat> um, well, I kiss the sky. You would basically have to listen to it because I don't want to get copyright strike from anyone else. Anyone else? Like, has it already happened? No. But am I afraid that it's going to happen? Yes. I'm basically on a music app, and I'm I'm talking about music, even though I'm a wrestling um, guru, if you will. Wrestling guru. I can't call myself a wrestling god, because, you know, John Bradshaw Layfield, Moose, New Jacks. Nonetheless, that was... uh. Three Doors Down, and that was number two in my uh, countdown. Number one is 
NF once again. And he's got this song called, called, not cold, called, Oh Lord. And I can also give you the beginning of that one. So, without further ado, um, he says, Don't waste the money on my gravestone. I don't care where... Uh, let me think. What does he say? Can you see us down here? Oh, Lord. It's easy to blame God, but harder to fix things. We look at the sky like, why aren't you listening? Watching the news in the living rooms and the te- te- television screens talking about if God's really real, then where is he? You see, the same God that we say might not even exist becomes real to us, but only when we're dying in bed. When you're healthy, it's like we don't really care for a man. Leave me alone, God. I'll call you when I see when I need you again. But basically, he's talking about the fact that uh, how people use God and then they wonder why is God not around all the time. You know, where was God whenever I I needed him most? No, you're a Christian. You only use God whenever he is convenient for you. God is a scapegoat for whenever you need something and then you need an anonymous answer as to why you did or did not get it. And then whenever you don't get it, you constantly say, oh, well, God works in mysterious ways, which is a shallow way of thinking (coughs) and a shallow way of trying to explain your religion. Nonetheless, I'm sorry for that overly outdrawn intro as a matter of fact i didn't do my intro i don't remember introducing myself for this episode hello everyone i'm 18 minutes in my name is mocha this is the gut wrench podcast and today we're going to be talking about other things other than Sami Zayn and my taste in music which if i say so myself the the honest honestly the best song on here though as far as underratedness goes, even though I put Oh Lord as number one from NF, um, number four, Mansion by NF. That song's made me cry like four or five times. And you guys know me. I'm a manly man. I'm a man's man's man. You know, I don't cry. Bring a tear to this eye? I mean, whew, you must be like, you must have some good pussy. <laughs> Shut up, shut up. Shut up. We're going to be looking at uh, AW Rampage. Like I said, we're not going to be looking at anything from like, you know, Impact Wrestling from 8 or 10 years ago. We're not going to be looking at WWE from 14 or 15 years ago. <clears throat> and next week, we'll be looking at a pay-per-view from AEW. Yay! Even though I'm a week behind. See, I meant to download this the day that it happened. So, had I would have downloaded it eight hours earlier, I would have probably been watching it um, right now instead of recording this. And what I mean by watching it right now is this wouldn't be on right now. <clears throat> I would be watching it, and then I would have not one page, not two pages, not three pages, not even four. I would possibly have like... At least two or three more pages. At least three more pages, as a matter of fact. 
more than likely at least three pages. But this is AEW Rampage from last week. Last week. Last month. Holy crap. <clears throat> because we're now getting into the June month. Kind of sucks. You know, I like June, but I hate, like, after June it's July, and after July it's August. The beginning of August is amazing. Get me wrong, but it's the end of August that I'm worried about because then the rain starts. Then I'm going to try so hard not to let the weather interfere with my um, <clears throat> upload schedule because I literally have to walk to Walmart <clears throat> in order to get this to um, upload because I don't have internet, unfortunately. <laughs> It's okay, though. Sufficient enough internet connection isn't going to stop me from bringing you guys a lot of uh, valuable content. We're going to be looking at AEW Rampage from 5-13-22. Death Triangle, Penta Jr., uh, Pac, almost called him Cap because I was reading it backwards, Pac, and Ray Phoenix is making his return, by the way, from a arm injury. <clears throat> the Butcher and the Blade and Mark Quinn versus Death Triangle, Penta Jr., Pac, and Ray Phoenix. Jericho Sports Entertainment Jericho Sports Entertainers of the Week is the Butcher and the Blade. Okay, so the reason that I put this down on my notes here is because Chris Jericho is either doing this unironically or he's doing this ironically because Jericho's talked about time and time and time and time again how <laughs> how sports entertainment <laughs> how sports entertainment is is like something that needs to die you know wrestling is what he wants. He's an executive producer, in case you don't know. Like, Chris Jericho is the equivalent right now to what um, <clears throat> Shane McMahon was in the WWE. Practically an executive producer, someone that they'll look at, and then they'll say, okay, Chris, I have a question about the match that's coming up. Um, he thinks he should hit me with a steel chair, but I think that I should duck the steel chair and then roll him up and put my feet on the ropes out of the referee's view and then get the three count. And then Chris will say, okay, I got an idea. How about you spit mist in his face, you pull out the brass knucks while the referee's not looking, and then you deck him in the, in the face with the brass knuckles. And then this other guy comes in, distracts the referee, and then this other, other guy comes in and hits him with a, with a taser. And then after that, you pin him. Just make sure that you pin him. Whenever you pin him, you're hanging on to your um, something rubber so that he doesn't shock you. But we're going to punish him. You know, Chris Jericho basically is someone who they look to for direction. But this is funny. Chris Jericho's sports, entertainer, sports entertainers of the week is the Butcher and the Blade. <clears throat> I gave the match itself, though, three and a half out of five stars. Lots of high-flying action going on. Um, and after Death Triangle wins, the lights go out, right? 
the whole arena is nothing but dark, which reminded me, of course, of what The Undertaker used to do to his opponents. Whenever the lights would go out, all of a sudden she would hear that anonymous, that almost said anonymous, holy crap, all of a sudden you would hear that ominous, not anonymous, you would hear that ominous dong, and then The Undertaker's image would flash on the Titantron screen, and then the lights would come back on. But see, whenever they, whenever the Undertaker would do it, the lights would come back on immediately, and then the Undertaker would already be in the ring. Now, hey, I kind of counted. It took House of Black whenever they came. I, I know that we've talked about House of Black before, or at least we've talked about Aleister Black. I hope I didn't break any nearby windows by saying his name and now Alistair Black is Malachi Black and Malachi Black is this ominous figure that just shows up and he's so good why is he only wrestling in pay-per-views I'll never know but I guess it's just a reputation thing. I mean, big guys like that always wrestle at the pay-per-views, and they always don't have to go to the house shows. And, you know, on top of that, Malachi Black's got these other two guys, uh, Buddy Williams and Brody King, and they're almost as big as he is. Especially Brody King. He looks like he's maybe 285 pounds. He could be like a football linebacker and, but, you know, I don't want to talk about football. Football sucks. This is a challenge to any football podcasters out there. You can't beat me in the ratings war. I can't wait to hear about... I can't wait to hear about what they've got to say over on Twitter. Yeah, they probably won't say anything. <clears throat> they probably won't say nothing. But anyway, um, the lights go out. They come back on, and then they go out again. Whenever they come back on, though, for that short moment, it was like five seconds, you see Aleister Black, I'm sorry, I need to stop saying that. I don't want to break any windows. You see Malachi Black, you see um, Buddy Williams, and you see Brody King. And then... Malachi says something, almost like he he moves his mouth a little bit. And then the lights go out again. Whenever they go out, this time, Malachi's not there. Buddy Williams, he's gone. And Brody King, he's gone. Anyway, this match was really, really good. <clears throat> Some people would be like, okay, what was your favorite part of it? You know, <laughs> my favorite part was whenever Mark Quinn got his ass kicked by uh, Pac, because Pac is a firecracker, man. Hard to keep up with. Okay, so then they go into this whole segment about MJF. Uh, if, if, um, what's his fucking name? I know that I got it written down here somewhere. <laughs> Holy crap. This is like the fucking YouTube video I did where I forgot um, I forgot Chris Saban's name and I almost forgot his name again 
So, Wardlow has to take 10 lashes from MJ, MJF. Timeout, you know, scratch the record. Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure I've heard this somewhere else. Because in his build-up to his match against Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes had to take 10 lashes before he was able to... um face off against MJF. Why does Wardlow have to do the same thing that Cody Rhodes did? I don't know if Tony Khan knows this or not, but he's kind of keeping WWE relevant by allowing people like now whenever they go on Google, they're going to look up 10 lashes and then they're going to look up like they won't look up Cody, probably, if they're looking for AEW content. But now that Cody's working for WWE, in case Tony Khan didn't know it, he's inadvertently helping his competition. You're not supposed to do the thing that, like, you already had Cody Rhodes take 10 lashes whenever that happened, you know? Holy crap, we're halfway through and I'm only on the first page. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot to talk about. I'm sorry. Shut up. So, and apparently not only that, but also Sean Spears will face Wardlow in a steel cage match. MJF will be the referee of that steel cage match. They're trying to stack the deck so much against... Uh, Wardlow, because they're, he, I mean, they act like MJF is afraid of Wardlow, when he has no reason to be afraid of Wardlow. Yeah, he's a big boy, I mean, was he like 320 pounds? I'm, I'm going to go on to the next match, uh, Bear Boulder faces off against Sean Spears, and yes, we will look at that cage match. Don't worry, we'll get to it. I watched it too. One out of ten stars. Out of, holy crap, why did I say ten? One out of five stars. I'm not rating these on a ten star, ten, ten star scale because we're not in Japan. In Japan, they actually do that. They rate matches out of ten. Which, I mean, really, <laughs> if you reduce it, like... Let's say that I was to give a match 8 out of 10 stars. Um, reduced is only 4 out of 5 stars. I mean, if you think about it. You know, it's the same rating. Pretty much the same rating. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, Bear Boulder goes up against Sean Spears. The chairman, Sean Spears. Which I feel like is a knock at Vince McMahon. Because, you know... I'm the chairman. I'm Vince McMahon. Damn it. You will listen to me. You know. Which I feel like Cartman in uh, South Park made fun of too. You will respect my authority. We get a 10 chance. So over in WWE, once again, I'm not trying to insult the the wrestling viewers who already know this, already know that, but... Some people don't know this, who watch, listen to my podcast. So I'm trying to let them in 
on a consistent basis so that the next time that I say it, maybe they'll they'll know. But Sean Spears, in case you don't know, used to be known as the perfect 10. And he was over as hell over in WWE. Everyone practically loved him. And it still pains me today. Not like who is Sean Spears? Where's Ty Dillinger? You know, that's this is stupid. Where's Ty Dillinger? That's who I know you as. And the funny thing is, he used to come out and he was the perfect 10. <laughs> so he had this man, Bear Boulder, in a corner and he was doing a move that's commonly known as the 10 punch where the the uh, crowd actually joins in. One, one punch, two punch, three punch, four punch, five punch, six punch, seven punch, eight punch, nine punch, and then they'll come down for that tenth punch and then they'll punch them really hard and then they'll jump off. And uh, the crowd will kind of go crazy for it um, whenever they do that. Nonetheless, this match against him and Bear Boulder, Bear Boulder was already in the ring whenever they came back from commercial. And I'm saying commercial because I downloaded a, uh, what's that, what's that called? Um, a torrent and I watched it commercial free. Yes, that's right. I downloaded a torrent and I can do that. It's legal. Don't worry. So, you know, it wasn't anything illegal that I that I did download. You can share torrents and you can download them, but see the illegal part is when you put them on a flash drive and um you charge people money to come and see the illegal movie or for that matter um let's say that I was to put it on a flash drive and then go down to watch McCall's house and either sell it to him or tell him that he can watch it, you know, for free because I'm distributing. Or, for that matter, if I wasn't to put it on a flash drive at all, if I was to put a CD in my computer, which I can't do, I don't know why. Pretty sure I can't put a CD in here. I don't see an eject button, and I haven't been taught how to do that. It's a Mac, so I'm almost certain that I can't. I haven't figured out how to. If I can. Anyway, not the point. If I was to burn it onto a CD and then give it to whatchamacallit down the street, it would be illegal. The Owen Hart quarterfinals as Riho faces off against Ruby Soho. I'm gonna be 100 with you guys. I don't like Ruby Soho all that much. She's a fantastic wrestler. And for that matter, I've it's not that I've seen her before. Um it's not I guess not my style. She's not very outspoken, you know, and I don't like that, you know. Like where's her wrestlers commonly have something known as a gimmick. A gimmick is something that either puts them over or gets them to the worst ones 
are hard to work with, like the Duke the Dumpster Man gimmick, um, or Isaac Yankum, um, the worst ones are like the job application ones, like wherever you look like you just come into work and, you know, like, I do taxes for a living, like IRS, you know, even though that was kind of his shtick, or the Million Dollar Man, for instance, who is all about money, you know, the worst ones are the ones that you can't really see in a wrestling setting, but sometimes they make them work. And I feel like Ruby Soho is really lacking in the personality department. Riho disapproves of Ruby's uh, theme music as it's as she's coming out. Uh, Riho puts her fingers in her ear as to signify that, you know, ah, turn this garbage off. You know, and another thing that keeps happening to me, I'll work at the Walmart, right? And I can't hear it. Whenever I'm inside the building, but I have this in, this inept uh <clears throat> this um bad timing, if you will, so bad that every time that I'm outside, and I don't know why people do this, but if you're listening and you're someone who does this, please don't do this. Turn up your fucking stereo in your car as if to make a boom, boom, boom noise and shake and earthquake the entire front um street that I'm walking on. You know, it is extremely hard not to pull you out of your fucking car and just wipe my ass cheeks on you. Because you are the most disgusting human being. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if it's heavy metal music, country music, or if it's fucking rap and hip-hop music. It is disgusting. It is nasty. It is called noise pollution, people. It is unnecessary atop all that. Some of the most Vile fucking people. Okay, after that we get a segment from um, Billy Gunn and the Gun Club. And for whatever reason, they took a knock again at WWE. And Billy Gunn's old occupation, if you will. He wants to think of something original, something that's going to blow the crowd away or something like that. He ends up saying, uh, one of the guys in the gun club raises their hand and then they're saying, I know daddy, I know. And then he goes, yes. And then he goes, what if we took our hands and we made like palms? He says, okay, I'm following you. And then he says, and then what if we put put them over put them over our our crotch, you know, as if to signify the crotch chop, which was so famous back when Billy Gunn was over in um, <clears throat> WWE. 
He said, shut up. We're not doing that. And then Billy Gunn said, uh, I need a catchphrase. And then he said, I know, Daddy. I know. And then he ends up, uh, Billy Gunn ends up shutting down his son again because he said, what if we said, we got two words for you? And he said, don't you say that. Don't you dare say that. He's like, I was looking for something original. And then we get the possibly the best match of the night. But it's bogged down by interference. But, I mean, we basically got two wrestling matches. I didn't notice that. We only got three wrestling matches. And the rest of it was nothing but shtick. But it's alright. It's alright. It was a fairly decent match. Our main event here was the TNT Championship match. Scorpio Sky versus Frankie Kazarian. Um, because they are honestly... Uh, fun factoid, before I go any further. <clears throat> they were the um, tag team champions. And they won the tag team titles at a house show in Charleston, West Virginia. Is what they said. So, you know, shout out to Charleston, West Virginia. So here's the thing. We talked about Chris Jericho before, right? We're going to talk about him a little bit more here in just a second. A TNT championship match, um, Scorpio Sky, the champion, faced off against Frankie Kazarian, and I thought it was a fairly good match, but it was boggled down by something that was the um, interference. Now, if Scorpio Sky wasn't to have his buddies come in, this would have honestly been a perfect 5 out of 5 star match that wasn't about, like, heel versus face. It was about respect. Scorpio Sky, at the... um opening of the match made it very clear to both Dan Lambert and all ego all ego Ethan Page um, not to interfere on the match basically telling them to stay in the back that they've got no business being out out there that it's between him and Frankie Kaz and he's basically going to show him respect in the purest competition form they go to shake hands they put on a banger of a wrestling match. And this goes back to what I said earlier. At the start of this program, can you tell a story without actually talking to your audience? That's exactly what these two did. Regardless of all of the... um. <clears throat> Regardless of all of the interference from Dan Lambert and all ego Ethan Page, what had happened was uh, Scorpio is kind of like the 2009 thing that we saw with Christopher Daniels and Suicide, where the referee was distracted uh, by Chris Sabin, and then Sabin's partner Shelley comes into the match while... While um, 
Christopher Daniels was outside the ring and he wasn't really like aware of what was happening. And Alex Shelley went ahead and um, put the dirty moves on suicide while the referee was outside the ring tending to someone else. Chris Saban, to be quite frank. And then whenever Chris Saban got done hugging the referee, he, like you can see his mouth move, he says, all I wanted was a hug. I mean, whenever Saban gets a hug from the referee, referee goes into the match unaware of what just happened, as was as was uh, Christopher Daniels. And then Daniels goes for the pin, one, two, three, and then he sees the replay and he realizes what happened. I just screwed this man out of his title. Um, the same exact, same, same exact thing. I didn't mean to say same exact twice. The same exact thing happened here between Kaz and, um, Scorpio Sky, where Sky didn't exactly see what, uh, happened to Frankie Kaz, uh, all ego, all ego, Ethan Page. I keep wanting to call him Athens Page and I don't know why. All ego, Adam page that's not his name let's let's run it back ladies and gentlemen i swear to god i don't know who writes these notes all ego ethan page hits frankie kaz with a title belt while the referee's paying attention to dan lambert and on top of that he goes scorpio sky goes to uh pin frankie kaz kaz kicks out and then uh scorpio uh, hits him with a move I forget what move he hit him with, and I'm pretty sure that was the end of the match. Um, and afterwards, Sky's looking over at Kaz. He wants a handshake, but he won't have any of it. Kazarian doesn't want to shake this man's hand, and <clears throat> with um, he basically points it his two tag team partners and he says he hit me with a belt you know was you in on this or whatever he's like hey i told you to stay backstage he's like i thought you were out here to support me he's like and then what happened was kind of shocking i mean i didn't see it coming because i thought that it was a match about respect i didn't realize that these two former tag team partners were and that's storytelling right there. You take two people who have a history together and you make them turn their backs on each other because Scorpio Sky, almost without hesitation, turns around, sees Frankie Kazarian on his knees from a wrestling match that was a well-fought victory from Scorpio Sky that was boggled down a little bit, more or less, by a whole bunch of... I guess just interference that I wasn't expecting to see, if I'm being honest. But it was a swerve the entire time. Sky hits um, Kazarian with the title belt. And he basically picks up a microphone and then he says that, you know, hey, I was in on it the entire time. <clears throat> Next, we go to 525-22. An episode of Dynamite, I'm pretty sure, because this was Rampage. So, an episode of Dynamite where a cage match takes place. 
with MJF as your referee. Sean Spears faces off against Wardlow. Four out of five stars. For whatever reason, they put a restriction on this cage match where if you escape the cage, which is so stupid, where you escape the cage, it doesn't matter because this has to be won by pinfall or submission. Over the years, we've seen the cage match uh, evolve. You know, it went from this big looking, almost like steel structure with like seven or eight bars vertically and like 12 or 18 bars horizontally. And that's it. Now it's went from like this, almost like fence, you know, like that you would fence your yard in with. Um... I gave it four out of five stars. It was very entertaining, um, especially seeing MJF get not only his ass kicked. He, he doesn't really deserve it. I'm not going to say something like that, but he also got hit with a chair, which once again, he didn't deserve. The most entertaining part of the match was after the match, whenever um, all this security, for whatever reason, there's just boggles and boggles of security guards they just start falling like dominoes and you know the whole wrestling is fake type thing well this kind of got enforced here i hate to be the person to say that you know wrestling is fake um <clears throat> they made it extremely obvious here that they weren't really going for any sort of i would understand if all the security guards came in at one time or for that matter, one at a time, one of them would have took uh, Wardlow down and the other one would have like tried to get on him and at least put up a halfway decent fight. But no, that's not what happened. One by one, each security guard comes into the um, cage and they just almost like Wardlow's hand is a magnet and they all have a steel plate in their head. That's all that he was doing was practically just swinging his fist and they were just walking right into it and then just falling over and then just walking right into it and then just falling over like a house of cards or a dominoes effect. <clears throat> well, we get a shades of Austin and McMahon in the cage because commentary mentions the fact that. So, commentary mentions the fact that Wardlow cannot hit MJF. There was a cage match back in two, early 2000, late 1999, that said that Steve Austin cannot hit Vince McMahon. I know a lot of you are thinking, you know, how can Steve Austin win a cage match if he can't hit Vince McMahon? Basically, it was to take out Austin's arsenal of uh, punching moves because a lot of his uh, offense at the time was nothing more than punches. There's even a part in the match wherever Austin Irish whips uh, Vince McMahon toward the ropes and then he goes for that Luthes press that he's famous for and then he, he rears back to almost like punch Vince McMahon in the head because of the punches that he does after he does the Luthas press and then he stops himself 
I'm not sure what he does after that, but I remember that distinct moment. Austin had to stop himself and then JR on commentary saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll be fired. And then we get a shades of Brad Maddox being the referee of a steel cage match, which was a hell in a cell match, but still classified as a steel cage match where Brad back then it was like 2010 Brad Maddox was the official referee of this match, and he was apparently like a new referee. I want to put that in air quotes because I'd never heard of him up until this point. Cool, they hired a new referee. Cool. It was work the entire time because whenever CM Punk got into the cage against Ryback, a man who probably, oh my God, like, nasty he was undefeated i think at this time they were building ryback to be this monster who couldn't be stopped 275 pounds of pure dominance i mean one of his arms probably weighs 100 pounds alone ryback jason ryback uh, straight out of college he played football you know like the man's fast and he's powerful now he does a podcast believe it or not (laughs) It's funny, it's funny, because he talks a lot about WWE and their mishaps, and he makes a lot of claims, and I mean like a lot. One claim that he made said that, um, and I know that I'm getting off subject here, but he's got some funny content. Um, One claim that he made said that um, The Shield was actually his idea, which isn't true at all. Uh, The Shield was a group of three men. Once again, I'm not doing this because... It's just to inform people who don't know, okay? It's not to insult your all's intelligence or for stalling for time or anything, because I've got a lot to get through. This might go over an hour. The Shield was a group of three men, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and uh, Roman Reigns. And um, they dominated the wrestling world, or at least the WWE, the number one wrestling company in the world at that time, for like two or three years. And, uh, anyway, Brad Maddox in that infamous Hell in a Cell match that we might even look at, because Hell in a Cell is actually coming up, believe it or not. So, I'll see if 2010 was the right year or whatever. I guess we could give it a a shot. Brad, Brad Maddox, apparently, the story was that Maddox made the decision to, uh, low blow the uh, titular Ryback in the middle of him performing his finishing maneuver against one CM Punk. So, and that's what happens. Wardlow gets low-blowed by um, MJF, the titular referee. Shades of Brad Maddox low-blowing Ryback is what I meant to say. Also, the Austin McMahon thing, um, Wardlow can't put his hands on MJF, who is the referee. Jericho, as I said before, we're going to talk about him now. Apparently, he's watched a little bit too much Wizard of Oz. He walks around backstage, he sees this guy who's wearing a a John Moxley t-shirt, and then he tells him, John Moxley. You mean to tell me that you're a John Moxley fan? Huh? 
You can't be a John Moxley fan, he said, or else you'll eat a fireball. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I don't know where it came from. There's just like this ball of fire that just shows up, burns this guy's eyebrows right off. He just screams for his life. He's like, ah, and he just curls it, curls up into a ball as like Jericho's berating him and telling him, you can't be a John Moxley fan. Who do you think you are? I'm Chris Jericho. God damn it. He's like, he's like looking at him. Well, this man's like in the fetal position. And then he's like, you can't be a John Moxley fan. I'm Chris Jericho. I'm a wizard. He literally says he's a wizard. Then we go to our next match, which is Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy, private party, facing off against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And Jericho's on commentary. He says, pro wrestling sucks. Sports entertainment is the way to go. Okay, okay. Once again, this is Jericho being unironic, right? Because I can't tell whether or not he's serious or whether or not is he being ironic or is he being unironic. It's so hard to tell. Oh my god, wow. This man is playing with my emotions. He's so good at what he does. Oh my god. Like, sports entertainment is just the politically correct way of saying professional wrestling. And on top of that, if you've ever watched a professional wrestling match... And then went back and watched a, I'm going to put this in air quotes, sports entertainment match. You know the difference. The difference is one star out of five versus five stars out of five. <clears throat> oh my god. Okay, um... And I gave it two out of five stars. Honestly, I've seen Private Party do better. And for that matter, I've seen John Moxley and Eddie Kingston do a lot better, too. I can't remember whether there was uh, interference in this match or not. Um, uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston basically wiped the floor with Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy um, of Private Party. And, you know, when you're building a team to make them look good and whenever you're jobbing against another team you really should try to make yourself and make the other guys look as good as possible and i feel like private party really failed at that like they didn't make themselves look good in this match right here like like I said, I've seen them do better, <clears throat> and especially facing off against someone who would leave a lasting impression on your career, someone like John Moxley, who has been ranked number one in the world, been the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion multiple times, and for that matter, has put on banger after banger after banger in almost all of the matches that he does is win a half a year. This man went a half a year undefeated. I don't know if that that really, you know, like, was that relevant? He went a half a year undefeated. Oh, so cool. They were booking him right. You know, a lot of you are like, oh, yeah, well, it must be really easy to go a half a year undefeated in a professional wrestling company. 
or rather a sports entertainment company. You get where I'm coming from, right? It's the whole, hey, wrestling's not real. So you shouldn't talk about it like it is, you know, six months undefeated in a <clears throat> fake sport. That's not an accomplishment, you know, like I feel like a lot of you are saying, that, you know, so if you are saying that, imagine the work that I had to go into um, someone consistently winning over a six month stretch or six to eight months. I'm not sure how long he went undefeated, but <laughs> really not the point that I'm trying to drive home. And by the way, I don't own a vehicle, so I don't even know how I'm going to drive home. Next, we get Rapungi Vice. Holy crap. Uh, facing off against the champions, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood. FTR. So, for those of you who don't know what FTR stands for, Obviously, it's an inside joke. Obviously, it's a Twitter inside joke. Um, back when Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood were working for WWE, they were known as The Revival. Um, can't remember what their names were, though. That eludes me... <clears throat> But back whenever they were the Revival, they were putting on great tag team wrestling. And they still are to this day. As you can see, they are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. A fact that Justin Roberts won't let you forget. <clears throat> Rapungi Vice, Trent Beretta, and Rocky Romero. Here's the thing that gets me. Trent Beretta is in like three staples. Already. So, tell me in a universe where it makes sense where Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero, Rapungi Vice. If Trent Beretta had to choose between Rapungi Vice, Best Friends, and Just Friends, I wonder which one that he would go with. If I'm right, Trent Beretta is in three factions. He's in this one with Rocky Romero. He's in another one with Orange Cassidy. And he's in another one with Chuck Taylor. Once again, this brings up a question. What if Best Friends, um, which is made up of three people, but can sometimes be represented by two people. What if Best Friends, Orange Cassidy and... Trent Beretta were to face off against Rapungi Vice, Rocky Romero, and Trent Beretta. Where would Trent Beretta's loyalty lie, you know? It's always a bad idea to join more than one group in a professional wrestling company. <clears throat> unless you have a good reason. Unless you plan on double-crossing the other group. Or it's a part of a bigger story. And, you know, maybe they want you to be a part of that group. Anyway, Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood play to their strengths in this match. They basically put on a clinic 
of tag team wrestling. Whenever they take Rocky Romero and they just demolish this kid. They make sure that there is no tags, there is no no friends coming to help him. Classic uh, clinic tag team wrestling. Now, the best part about those those types of wrestling matches is you only see it with the best uh, of tag team wrestling. So what you want to do is you want to isolate your opponent. And then you want to make sure that their partner can't get to them. Their partner's going to be frustrated. The referee's going to look the other way a lot. You know, he's going to... The referee is basically going to be looking over at that frustrated partner almost all the time and is going to be too distracted to understand what's happening in the corner where you're isolating their opponent. Their best friend is basically on an island where two guys are beating the fuck out of him. Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood do exactly that in this match for a majority of it <clears throat> until Rocky Romero makes a tag. But nonetheless, they come away still champions, if I remember correctly. Um, and FTR stands for Fuck the Revival. Their old wrestling tag team name, The Revival, back in... WWE and on Twitter someone once said fuck the revival and then they were like yeah I mean they were playing along with the entire time they were like glad to see that you like us you know like a nod and a wink it's hard to get mad at someone's opinion I guess <clears throat> but I gave it two out of five stars was tag team wrestling no it it really wasn't tag team wrestling in its finest in one way it was you know because they kind of isolated their opponent in another way it wasn't all that entertaining to watch ricky starks versus scott St scott strickland versus jungle boy who is Jungle Boy is one half of the tag team champions. What they're doing here is they're trying to give you an idea as to what we're going to be looking at uh, next week. A triple threat tag team, um, what they call a trios match, but it's really not a trios match. If it was, then there would be singles competitors. Well, this is a trios match, what we're going to look at, but the <clears throat> tag team tandem that we're going to be looking at next week is not a trios match. <clears throat> One person from each team basically um, representing to basically give you an idea as to what it's going to be like whenever Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have to um, contend, not against one team, not against two teams, like at Revolution, but three teams. Oh, yeah. They're just going to have to deal with two teams. Holy shit. They won't have to deal with three teams. Forget what I said. I was counting them as one of the teams. They're the champions. So, once again, it's going to be like Red Dragon and um, a Super Kick Party. You know, like we talked about at Revolution. <clears throat> 
Ricky Starks brings out this um, FTW champion championship belt. It's hard to get behind that whenever that's an irrelevant title, you know? It's it's really hard to say, hey, you know, I brought out this championship that my mentor gave me from the days whenever he was in his prime. I guess I'm holding it now, you know, like, and he barely ever defends it. Like, in order to make a championship mean something, you're going to have to defend it consistently on a consistent week-to-week-to-week-to-week basis in order to make it mean something. Otherwise, you're what's called a, say it with me, ladies and gentlemen, paper champion. If you're a paper champion, that's a really bad thing. This is something that I also covered in my Sami Zayn video over on YouTube. Uh, the name of that video is Not a Bad Light. Where Sami Zayn won the Intercontinental Championship, and I was trying to tell you all that he wasn't going to go anywhere with it. And what do you know? You want to know what the ironic part about that is? The first man to ever win the Intercontinental Championship died like two days before Sami Zayn won the Intercontinental Championship. Two or three or four or five days before Sami ever won the Intercontinental Championship. And I was making a joke about it. I said that Pat Patterson's rolling, rolling in his grave right now because that's what kind of happens so if he was looking to bring another story element is my point to this um trio match that we're going to talk about he did it the wrong way like you don't bring back an irrelevant championship irrelevant championship a championship is only as relevant as the champion who holds the belt Anyway, I gave it 3 out of 5 stars. This one was honestly really, really good. A human highlight reel goes to Strickland. Scott Swerve Strickland is honestly one of the better um, lightweight people that you will see in AEW. All Elite Wrestling. That's what I love about it. Scott Strickland Swerve was honestly on his A game because there's this one part wherever Jungle Boy goes for a Canadian an avalanche Canadian destroyer this man Swerve Strickland lands on his fucking feet <laughs> and you can see the look on Jungle Boy's face when he looks over at Swerve who just I guess swerved him in a way and JR on commentary whenever he lands on his feet from a avalanche Canadian destroyer, he ends up just whose house? Swerve's house. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess that's all the poppy needs. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, faces off against Tony Storm. And <clears throat> Storm has never looked good. She was 5-0 and coming into this match. Unfortunately, she did lose. But you see the story of this 
it's it's all about Owen Hart, the Owen Hart Foundation, and this beautiful tournament that they put together. And throughout the match, throughout both matches, actually, it's a double main event. Um, throughout the match, they're talking about Owen Hart and the impact that he's had on wrestling and wrestling fans. And they they mention Martha Hart. They mention if you don't know what happened to Owen Hart. You know, if you're not a wrestling fan, but you tend to tune in to my podcast every week, he basically died due to a faulty wire, an accident <clears throat> that unfortunately took his life. What many feel was a little bit too soon. <clears throat> At the beginning of this program, I said, You guys know me, I don't cry. And now it sounds like that I'm tearing up, I know. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Tony Storm. And I feel like the wrong person won here. No disrespect to Britt Baker, honestly, because she's a wonderful competitor. But I feel as though that if Tony Storm, you know, if she would have won, that there would have been a lot more story, a lot more motivation, you know, because they were talking about, like, her debut, they were talking about how she had won so many other tournaments. She had won so many other tournaments in the UK, in Australia. She won the uh, Australian Open Cup, uh, professional wrestling's, apparently, uh, cup, or something like that. They were talking about how she won. They mentioned, like, three or four tournaments the day that she um, <clears throat> made her debut in the company and then i was oh okay so they're probably going to strap the rocket to tony storm i mean it just makes sense right well that was a swerve <clears throat> i gave it three out of five stars honestly a decent match and <clears throat> i would have gave it four out of five but it had interference yeah bet we're noticing a trend here huh well not every match had interference you know I guess they do it when it's appropriate or when they feel it's appropriate. Yeah, I try not to rate a wrestling match for everything that happens after the fact. Sam Joe, the Ring of Honor pure champion, faces off against uh, Kyle O'Reilly in what was a wonderful, beautiful match. Um, Because these are both, they both play to each other's strengths, believe it or not. Kyle O'Reilly kept targeting the arm of Samoa Joe. And every time that Sam Joe would get any sort of offense, Kyle O'Reilly would just shut him down and twist and twerk on that arm all the time. I don't mean twerk, you know. No, he's not. He's torquing it. Torquing, not really twerking on his arm. But he's like beating it with everything that he has. You can see Joe getting physically um, drained too. Like the big man, 310 pounds is what they say on commentary. Holy crap. I feel like Samoa Joe should be like a linebacker for like an NFL <clears throat> An NFL uh, team or whatever. But once again, 
we're not going to talk about football because football sucks. Say it with me, everyone. Football sucks. Samoa Joe, Kyle O'Reilly have such um, great strengths because they can play off of each other. Samoa Joe is a submission specialist. He's great at technical wrestling. He's great at grappling. He's wonderful whenever it comes to striking game. And you see him just wailing into Kyle O'Reilly and using that size advantage. And you would figure that a man that big wouldn't be able to move that fast. He's like a bumblebee, this Samoa Joe, because a bumblebee is scientifically not supposed to be able to um, fly. Because they theorize that its wings are too short for its uh, body. Its body's too fat for its short wingspan. But bumblebees constantly on a consistent basis are able to make it back to their hive and uh, do whatever it is bumblebees do. And Kyle O'Reilly too. He's a wonderful striker. He's a great um, high flyer as is Samoa Joe. Um, He's wonderful submission specialist. I'm surprised that they didn't, like, if O'Reilly would have won and went went on next week to face uh, Adam Cole, I'm surprised that they didn't um, do that rather than Samoa Joe Adam Cole, which is what's going to happen, like, Friday, I think. Holy crap, that's tonight. Tonight's Friday. Well, you're listening to this on Saturday, but it's... Friday, basically. For me. So, we might have a chance to look at uh, Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. After it happens. Provided that no friends of mine give me spoilers. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all the time that I have for you. And I gave this match four out of five stars. Was really good. And, um... I feel as though that I've went over my hour time limit, a sub, a subjective amount enough time. And thank you all so much for listening. I should have said it. I should have said this at the beginning of the program so that, you know, like now that it's the end of the program, you guys have no reason to listen any further. But if you're feeling generous, please use one of the uh, donation links. Uh, yep. Probably won't be below this link, at least not right now. It might be in the near future. But if you can donate to me and help grow this platform, help grow my cause, then your donations are extremely appreciated. I keep asking people, how can I, you know, improve this platform? And the only advice that I keep getting is you should. You should ask for donations. And then I'm like, okay, but what else should I do? And then they're like, you should, you should ask for donations. No feedback, just ask for donations. Thank you all so much and have a great 
weekend. Have a great morning. Have a great Saturday, Sunday. I personally hate Saturday, but just because I hate Saturday doesn't mean that you have to. Because it's Saturday, and you know what that means. Another banger of a podcast episode.